the Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. That's us, Mr. Edge. Hey, uh, it is. Man, before we get to our uh, good buddy and good guest today, let's talk a little bit about us. I know okay. people are uh, interested in dedicated December, which is pretty cool. I tell you what, how about that? We've been that getting is, a, the, the amount of people that have reached out to us just mind blowing, honestly. Yeah, I don't know if they feel bad for us or if they're just like super excited we took an initiative to be better people. I forget the names. I should have wrote them down. But shout out to the guy who's walking during his lunch. He's got yeah. thirteen miles in already. Yeah, like got a got a Snapchat from a guy that was was at a bar. Uh, at a show, just drinking water. Love it. At the lo- uh, no, sorry, not at a show. He was at his local. The guy went to his local watering hole, which I can only assume he's a regular there and just likes to socialize. But he, but he's drinking water. We got another gal hole. who is doing her own challenge with her friends. Yes. So just awesome, Corey. Um, I didn't think that people would catch on like this, but I love it. How are things going in your world of the dedicated Decemberness? Well, I have a story about my trip to New Orleans last week, and I and I probably should should preface this with it was a work trip, um, and so if if anybody knows how business deals are done, typically they involve um, you know a, a nice whiskey on the rocks or a glass of wine. Um, but let me tell you, I had to turn down dollar fifty Bloody Marys. At a very, very good restaurant in New Orleans. When I like literally sat down for lunch, got off the plane less than an hour before this, sat down with one of my coworkers and uh, said, Oh, we have a dollar fifty Bloody Mary or a dollar fifty margarita. And I was like, hmm, both things that I enjoy. Um, but I, I just water, please. And, uh, and if anybody knows anything about New Orleans and Bourbon Street, I also walked up and down Bourbon Street, which I'll tell you, great way to get in my workout was walking up and down Bourbon Street about four or five times. Oh, um, yeah. So I probably gathered close to ten thousand steps um, walking Bourbon Street uh, for the for the three nights, four days I was there. So that wasn't wasn't all bad. Uh, things are going good though. I would say if I made it through New Orleans and I made it through a friend Christmas party this weekend without uh, failing to miss any of our criteria for dedicated December. I think, you know, that was early on. I think it's only going to get easier personally Uh because I think it's kind of like anything. If you crave something and you quit it for long enough, you'll stop craving it. Um, I did sit in the parking lot of a dollar general uh, last week or no week before last. Sorry. And um, I was craving a bush latte. Uh. Yeah, I was craving a bush latte, but, but it's okay. Here we are. Uh, workouts going okay. I, I guess for me, you know, we actually talked with Jordan and Luke earlier today about like what's, what's been the, the hardest thing so far. Um, me personally, um, the drinking part is not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, I'm a social, I'm a social drinker. Like mm-hmm. I don't like, eh. I don't necessarily have to have like five or six beers a night, like some guys. Yep. But uh, you know, if I'm if I'm at an event or a work work meeting or 
um, out to eat with my family, you know, having a nice beer with dinner is okay. Um, I, I guess I don't miss that as much as I thought I would. I, I really, the working out part has been a challenge. The book's great that we're reading. Yep. The book is great. Um, yeah, the working out, um, it's not that I'm not doing it, but I haven't done it since like high school. So, right. um, you know, just getting up and, and having it on my mind, you know, I'm not like you or, or Jordan that have like an outwards appearance of like not an obese body. Um, <laughs> so like you guys can go to the gym and feel pretty good walking in just from a standpoint. It's like, Oh, you're not the fat guy in the gym today. <laughs> uh, but I am, I am the fat guy in the gym. If I go to the gym, which I haven't yet, uh, but I probably will towards the end here uh, just cause I won't be traveling as much um, towards the end of December. But yeah. What about you, Kirky? Um, I'll get to my, I'll get to my New Orleans story after. Yeah. We've got more on that. So, uh, dedicated December is going well. Um, I tell, I tell you, uh, I've been having some lower back problems and I think it's due in part because I was the defensive end in high school. So I've always had back problems. Um, just because I was undersized, but so I've been really focusing on core workouts, uh, abs mm. and resistance training so I get a good cardio, get a good sweat in, but then I, I at least do some kind of abs. And today is the first time that I've noticed, and I've been sitting in the office pretty much all day other than my workout this morning, and I don't have any back pain. So A little bit more limber. I would like to think that um, my workout plan is helping that a little bit. And shout out to the fiance. Emily is, um, she wants to be a yoga instructor. Um and we'll be good at it because what we've done is I go to workouts before she gets up. By the time I get home, she's up and Adam has her cup of coffee or whatever. And she goes through yoga with me. She instructs me on yoga. So it's like a, mm -hmm. a way to just do something together. She's pretty fit. She does a, a very pretty physical job there at the Ohio, Ohio State Research. Um, and so... It's kind of good for both of us. That's that's going really well. I love the book. Um, love the love the book. Yeah, really do. The yeah. the the drinking facing thing. Your giants, facing your giants, Max Lucado. Yep, good stuff. Um, the drinking thing's okay. I haven't really been in a social atmosphere where it's like either tempting or anything like that. However, I did go to uh, a judge's show in Georgia. Um, shout out to those uh, uh, great group of people down in coffee. Uh, the coffee school down there in Douglas, Georgia. Great set did of they pigs. Have coffee for you. They did not. Uh, probably would have had too many more bathroom breaks if so. <laughs> but um, excellent group of people down there. But they took me out to dinner the night before, and um, you know they offered me a beer. I said, hey, you don't need to worry about it. One beer's not going to hurt you. I was like, yeah, I understand that, but I can't do that this month. I'm in a challenge. So shout out to those guys. I'm headed back down to Mississippi this weekend to judge down there. Emily gets to go with me this time. So, um, you're a, hot you're a hot commodity in the South. It sounds like, well, yeah. And then evidently, I don't know, but I've, yeah. I, I've also found out with this dedicated December deal is remember I told you I've had the gym membership for a while, but right. I only went a couple times because they say, Oh, you need, you know, you need to take a, take a break or every other day or whatever. If I do that, if I take a day off, I take a week off because one yeah, thing leads to the to next Oh, I can't do that this time. I've got to be here, and ah, I can't. I'll wait till tomorrow. So I, I, I do something. 
every day. Uh, in my quote unquote yep. day off, like today was my quote unquote day off. And I got up my normal time, got to the gym the same time, but I just did the elliptical for like a half hour. Just one thing, get the blood pumping, break a sweat, and you're done. Right. And come back and do yoga. So um, um, that's speaking good. Speaking of yoga, I've actually kind of, so you know how I talked about it. We've talked about in the past, like what other podcasts we listen to. And I really like, I really like Pat McAfee's show. And and Pat and his fiance, they do hot yoga. Oh yeah. Yep. So like, I'm pretty interested to try hot yoga. I, I don't know what all goes into it. I'm, I, I, all I know is you go in there, it's like 120 degrees or 110 degrees and you're in there doing yoga for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And, uh, hot yoga. I think I could. I think I could benefit from hot yoga, considering I've got a lot that I probably need to sweat out. There you go. Um, and it'll help me stretch out and be more flexible. Right. Which is always nice to have. Yep. I know this is probably going to be a little longer intro, but we got a lot to, lot to uh, get off um, and tell our listeners about. Uh, yes. My last thing before we get to our incredible sponsors is I had my first hunting experience. Uh, we mentioned that last week, but I finally get a chance to describe it. Huge shout out to my future father-in-law, Dale Hensroth. I know he listens, he listens to every episode, or at least he tries to, travels a bunch. So shout out to him. Uh, I know everybody has their own routine that they go through with uh, hunting. I am a newbie at all of it. Never felt out of place there. And what he did was opening day, um, Emily and I went out and hunted all morning, as did everybody else in the county. But... Dale would host a lunch, so he had um, a full table of meat and potatoes and corn and uh, soups and chili, all this. So I thought, he said, hey, we're going to have lunch around noon, so you know, whenever you're ready, I'll come pick you up. So we got hungry, he came and picked us up, and there was a group of 20 to 25 people all telling their stories about what they saw in the morning and eating their food and thanking everybody for being there. It was it was an awesome atmosphere. Um, it was the just the group, the community that was around there. So shout out to him for keeping that alive. I know he had like a hunting club that um, he did on a regular basis, and that kind of everybody got busy and kind of separated. So he kind of wanted to bring it back together, and he wasn't going to. He, I love to tell a story, but. He wasn't going to do it, and there was a little six-year-old who asked him a week before and said, Uncle Dale, are you going to cook for us on opening day? He's like, nah, I think I'll go out and hunt, and he was kind of bummed out. So Dale said, you know what? I've got to cook. If somebody, if it means that much uh, to a six-year-old, then I'm going to cook. So great time. That's cool. I loved it. I did not get a shot off uh, to anything. just didn't happen that way, but I had an absolute blast. Um I will definitely be back. Um, I'm already hooked because it's so peaceful. And yeah, Ooh. good time. Good time in Northeast hey, Ohio. Call, call me up. Call me up next time you go. I think I'd probably enjoy that myself. Yeah. Um, so here's the New Orleans story. I am getting in my Uber to leave. Hardcore local. Uh, hardcore local to New Orleans. And... We got to drive in uh, towards the airport. It's like a pretty decent drive, actually, from where we were. I think it was like a 35 to 40-minute drive, and which is an expensive Uber, in case people are wondering. Anyway, so get to talking. He asked me what I do for a living, and I kind of told him I work for Farm Journal. And so he just associated with that being 
me being a farmer, which is fine. And, uh, you know, you got to advocate as, as much as you can. Right. So anyway, we got on the topic of, of processed foods and, and meat and all that kind of stuff. And I, what was so encouraging, and I, I won't be able to describe this story like I want to <laughs> based on, I know that our podcast is listed as explicit just in case somebody says, slips up and says something, but the, the way that he described it was hilarious. But anyways, he goes on to tell me, he says, you know what? You guys get a bad rap. These farmers are out here busting their butts. You got to at least do the, do the, do the accent. <clears throat> I can't because I'll probably cuss while I do it. Okay. I don't want to, I right. don't want to do that. I was trying to eliminate the cussing. Um, just think, just, just think deep South Nolens. deep South Nolens. He says, y'all boys down there having some trouble, aren't you? I said, yeah, you're right. Yes. It's uh it's kind of been a struggle in the ag industry. He says, you know what? I don't understand is why all these people be out here eating the shrimps and eating the crawfish and everything that's been caught by all these guys out here. They're farmers too. You know, he says, y'all do the same thing. It's just with, with meat and, and beef and, and cone. He said, y'all ain't got no problem down there. I was like, that's right. You're right. You know, he said, and people be asking all the time where their, where their beef come from, where they get their cereals. He said, Ain't nobody down here asking where the shrimps come from. We know it came from the ocean. <laughs> came from the Gulf, man. Like, dude, you are right. You're exactly right. Because it's the same concept. He's like, you know, and I just don't understand all this fake meat bullshit. <laughs> and now you're on to something. <laughs> and, and so he, so then he goes on to talk about this fake meat. He's like, people really don't understand what's going in their bodies. He said, if I want a dang pork patty, I'm going to have me a pork patty. I know that it comes from a pig. He said, what else do I need to know? I don't need the 15 other ingredients that they put in this fake meat stuff. <laughs> Where are you in the rest of the world? Like, is there more of you? Can we clone you and disperse you out to tell people the truth? So it's kind of cool. Um, that's the accent. I actually didn't do too bad. Um, yeah. Proud so, of you, bud. But, uh, yeah. No, literally, folks, he sounded just like that. Just one of the coolest guys. I told him that we did this podcast. I doubt he listens, but I told him I tell him our story of of the trip because it's kind of cool. So, yes. um, shout out, shout out to my boy Jerome. Um, really a cool guy, and glad to know that other people out there in the world think the way that we do. Yes. Well, uh, without further ado, before we uh, jump into our discussion with Nathan. Uh, as you heard a couple weeks ago, we are, uh, we published a show that we, we had the privilege of on our platform and guess who's going to be there at the show in London, Ohio, Walt webcasting, of course, they're everywhere. Oh, speaking of, did you hear, did you see the on the road with Greg video this time? They were at the Hoosier beef Congress. Hoosier beef. Just hilarious. Oh my gosh. Greg, Greg doesn't hit me as much of a cow man. Um, I just thought he fit in well. Yeah, he looked good. Well, and, and eating the eating the jerky. You guys just have to have to subscribe. Walton Webcasting. Get on there and watch on the road with Greg. You'll spend a whole day watch binge watching Greg. But uh, this weekend they'll be in London, Ohio, with the Madison County Holiday Showdown. It's uh, two days worth, so you guys will really love that. Thank God they'll be there because I have a lot of customers showing there, but I'll be in Mississippi, so I will Fair be enough. watching both show. Guys, you got to subscribe, waltonwebcasting.com, and go to the archives, watch your game film, and do what you do. 
See Last Dog like you've never seen it before. Yep. Uh, another thing. So you know how like Show Pig was really cool last month and did this special for the the email blast. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what they got going on now? They're even cooler. It, cooler because it's December. Oh. <laughs> Man, we're dirty. Uh, December deal coming at you. It's the gift that keeps on giving from showpig.com. You can get a website special right now. Freshen up your look. Have some mobile responsive opportunities there for your web page. 27 24-7 brand promotion. Trev, I'm telling you, these folks here at showpig.com are more than just selling pigs. They will build and design you a website with your own domain name starting at the low, low price of $400 annually. Whoa. $400 for a whole website. Tell me something I don't know. Wow. Because I didn't know that. I didn't. No. Gosh. So check it out. The December deal coming to you from showpig.com. $400 starting price on a website that's fresh, mobile, responsive, and gives you 24-7 brand promotion. Well, if you like what you see at stocktalk-podcast.com, you're definitely going to want to get on this deal because it's the same people, folks. Same people built ours that can build yours. Hello. The door is open. Walk through it. Thank you very much. It's time, folks. We have a guest on this show that wears shorts that are shorter than the step of a Yorkshire Barra in the late 90s. Oh. He's got a used livestock equipment business titled exactly that. Building dreams out of rust. Yes, he literally started a business from selling old rusty gates. A man that it sells also questionably marked Berkshire pigs. But don't ask us. Why don't you just listen? Folks, we have today Mr. Nathan Day. We're joined here with uh, Nathan Day. And uh, we finally got you on, man. We're happy to have you. So to get things kicked off, as always, I know you listen to a little bit of the podcast, but just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, where you're from. Sure. Well, first of all, guys, I really appreciate you uh, asking me to be on it. Corey, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that I don't get to hear what your infamous intro will be for me prior to i i kind of thought it was going to be real time going into my my own little introduction so (laughs) i guess that that's the magic of the podcast world so uh it's your um, christmas present this year for me you're welcome okay good yeah good good. i'm looking forward to it so i guess a little bit about uh me um i live in uh, westfield indiana which is 20 miles straight north of indianapolis uh, about smack dab center of the state. Um, currently my wife, Renee and son Henry and I live on our family property. That's been in our family since like 1850 or 60, something like that. Um, wow. We did actually just recently, uh, purchase a new place, uh, just North of us about 10 miles. So, um, if anyone has been in Westfield or central Indiana lately, they'll, they'll recognize how much it's grown in this part of the world. So, mm-hmm. um, our property staying in our family. We're just, we're just going to get out of the, get out of the growth for a little bit. So it'll be, it'll be good. Um, as far as 
what I do. Uh, I know we're going to get into that a little bit later, but I, I wear a handful of hats. I would say uh, my my main job would be the marketing specialist for Sunglow Feeds. Uh, I've been very very fortunate um, to hold that position for about a year and a half, and uh, we can talk about that role more later. But I, I also own uh, Use Livestock Equipment LLC. Uh, where we buy and sell and trade um, livestock equipment. 90% of that would be hog equipment. Um, Sell it in online auctions. We sell private here at the farm every day. Um, Clay Kincaid is my right-hand man on the the equipment side, so he kind of runs the day-to-day part of that here at the farm. Um, And then my uncle and I have um, a small show pig operation, about 15 sows, majority of which are Berkshires, um, but a little bit of everything as well. So, and then I'd do some other uh, other stuff also in terms of having my auctioneer's license and and, and do some some sale sale coordination stuff. So a little bit of everything. Um, that's kind of the kind of the intro. So auctioneer license. I guess I didn't realize that you were you dove into that. That's probably Colonel Day. Good. Probably a good thing. And I won't put you on the spot and make you like do a little chant. <laughs> yeah. list, but at any point yeah. in time, if you want to get together um, and, and sell some stock talk merchandise live, we can. There you go. Hey, we can. Hey, we can do it. We yeah. can do it. So um, I'm also, I'm also to clear up any confusion because um, he and I both get asked this about once a week. I, I'm not related to Chad day. <laughs> uh, Cause Chad also being an auctioneer, also selling show pigs. Um, also at one point working for a feed company and he also lives about 10 miles, 15 miles straight North of me. So um, Chad and I are, are not related. Um, <laughs> I could see that you guys I, exchange I business cards. <laughs> yeah, we ought to, we ought to. I mean, you I should. get people that ask me all the time. He gets people that ask him. So um, but there definitely could be worse people to be associated with. So he well, yeah. Chad and I laugh about that all the time. What, what do people do though, if they come to your place uh, looking for Yorkshires and they don't see any, I mean, they, well, <laughs> not very many anyways. So like, Oh, I thought this yeah, was they, the, the day place with Yorkshires. Yeah. So mostly it's like, yeah, I, this is a couple of years ago. A guy asked, yeah, I, I heard you bought top cut. Oh, and I was like, <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I didn't. Um, but Chad sure did. And, uh, he, I'm sure he'd be happy to take care of you or, or I'll have a guy that, that'll just call randomly looking for equipment and be like, yeah, so tell me about whatever. And it'll be a bore. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. So between Chad day and Nathan Ray, um, oh, God, oh, yeah. kind of confusing sometimes. So, so yeah, this is Nathan day on the phone, no relation to either. So there you go. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about day and white. And for those that don't know, uh, Nathan and, and his, uh, uncle, right. Uh, yep. run, run day and white show pigs. Um, and I do, I do have to ask, are you considered the day and the white of day and white show pigs because of the, you know, until it's chubby season, those thighs probably just don't get a whole lot of sun. If I had to guess. <laughs> Yeah, um, or he's got jokes, which is great. Uh, um, <laughs> when I when I read that on your, I, I have to tell the listeners that we got to be transparent, right? I mean, it's twenty nineteen. Right. You got to be transparent. Yep. Uh, you know, when I saw the Chubby's comment, those are short shorts. If anyone doesn't know what that is, just to clarify there. Uh, and a staple in Nathan Day's wardrobe. Yeah, I, I do have summer. I do have a couple pairs. So I do have a couple pairs. Um, yeah, they're. It's a nice product. So, what do you? Yeah, what do you? I, are you a like Chubby's brand guy? You dabble in bird dog any or? 
No, a, bird dog, you know, those things, they're, they're a little too high rent for me. I mean, that okay, comes from uh, the, the makers of Lululemon, and I'm just, I'm kind of out on that. So <laughs> that, I'll, I'll let my wife deal with Lululemon, not, not me. There you go. All right. Well, anyway, so let's, 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 I mean, are there like six people that are going to listen to this or what? I mean, I, I think we've lost like half the people already. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't really got to much livestock discussion yet, but let's do that. Take us from the beginning uh, of your involvement in the show pig industry. Uh, big Berkshire guy, probably since the beginning, if I had to guess. Um, you know, um, actually not. Oh, so, news. yeah, so twist there. So my my involvement in the in the livestock um, world industry community whatever you want to call it um, started actually it, it was kind of preordained honestly my my parents actually met in 4-H and they 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 showed livestock against each other they were the same age in 4-H and and sh- grew up showing against each other they went to neighboring high school so they would not have met had it not been for 4-H so huh. I you know I, I know people kind of joke sometimes like hey you know I, I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for 4-H you know well like I I literally wouldn't be on the planet um, if it if it weren't for 4-H so I, I do owe a lot to that and um, so my, my parents grew up showing my my mom's dad um was very, very involved in the livestock world. So he managed the Purdue research farm that was in Carmel, which is just south of here, 10 miles or so. And uh, so my mom grew up, her and her four siblings uh, grew up on that research farm and they had Berkshires on that farm as well as Pertrin horses and a bull test station and all kinds of um livestock so that's that's kind of what his role was to manage that farm and so when i was growing up he he had retired from that position but he had sheep and so i know Corey, being a big mutton guy yourself you can appreciate the fact that he uh he had about i don't know 15 20 southbound ewes um just north of here about 15 miles and so i would go up there and spend a lot of time with him um he uh he really shaped my life in, in, in a lot of different ways, but um, he was kind of my, my introduction in, into the livestock world. And I, I remember being, I think in kindergarten when my, my aunt Janet and uncle Larry white took me to North American to show for the first time. Um, so this was like before you guys were even born almost um, probably 91 or two when that would have happened. Oh, you're not that old. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, you referred to me in one of your first episodes as one of the older listeners. Yeah. Off. Well, uh, considering our demographic ranges from like 17 to, you know, 38, that's, you know. Then I fall right, almost right in the median there. So. <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, so yeah, that's how I got started was, um, was showing with my aunt and uncle and their, their pigs. Um, and then going from there, you know, we, we, we didn't show very competitively, I wouldn't say, you know, that, that word can be used in a lot of different ways, right? But for us, we focused, um, I mean, we were competitive, right? I mean, we, we wanted to win. Um, we didn't always have the livestock to do that to win, um, but we focused really, really hard on showmanship. Um, at, at our house, my, my grandpa was one of the first to kind of hold a supreme showmanship contest at our county fair and like at our county, um, which 
you know, I, I know it's different at every county, right? But at, at our county, the Supreme Showmanship deal is like the biggest, like that's like the highlight of the fair for the livestock side. I mean, it's it's always a, a really neat event. So I, that's always something I wanted to compete in um, and, and do well in. So showmanship to us was 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 pretty well paramount. I mean, that's really what we focused on for a lot of years. And, you know, it, it wasn't until... Oh, I don't know. My, probably my seventh or eighth year in 4-H that we really kind of started getting more serious into the the feeding side of things. Um, I mean, I, I didn't win really anything in the hog side until my last year in 4-H when I finally had Graham Barra with a Yorkshire Barra from Chuck and Ben Olson. So, nice. um, yeah, I actually had Grand Steer before I had Grand Barra at our county fair. Um, <laughs> but grew up showing pigs and sheep and cattle. And, uh, you know, after that, I knew that agriculture or livestock or some version combination thereof was going to probably shape my future moving forward. So I decided to attend Purdue. Um, I did not apply to any other school. I actually, I had the application pulled up on my computer screen. I remember of Oklahoma state and me just asking myself, man, that's a long ways away. Do I really want to be that far away from home? Um, so I, I landed at Purdue and decided to, to stay 60 miles from home. So so yeah, majored in animal agribusiness through the School of Animal Science, and uh, so yeah, that's kind of my the the early intro there. And then my my uncle and I kind of started to focus a little more on the Berkshire side of things. Oh, it's probably been ten years ago or so, where um, my uncle's best friend's son showed like every breed. I mean, he has like multiple different breeds, <laughs> and that he would show at the county fair. They could at their county at that time, they could take as many pigs as they wanted. And I think he'd take like 15 pigs to the county fair. Like <laughs> no exaggeration. And <clears throat> which is great for a feed company. I mean, shameless yeah. plug. I mean, I wish every I wish every county fair was like that. <clears throat> so very shameless. Yeah. So anyway, he uh he had bought a Berkshire Guild um from one of the Conovers. I, it wasn't Bryce. I don't remember. I, my uncle's going to shoot me for not remembering which one, but that Berkshire Gill, I, I want to say she was either a kindergarten cop or a timber, one, one of the, one of the two. And, uh, she kind of was the foundation female that, that kind of, we built pretty well everything around. And so once I got out of college and had a little more time, started getting more involved and in, in making breeding decisions alongside my uncle. Um, I mean, if, if it weren't for my aunt and uncle, I mean, I, I would not have much show pig involvement at all. Um, so they've, they've been a, a major, major key for me um, as part of my success, I guess is what you'd call it. But they, uh, they have all the sows there at their house. And then we just bring things, baby pigs or boys that we're going to feed um, over here to sell. So it, it really does work out really, really well. Hmm. Now you've, uh, you've had some recent success in the Berkshire ring. Uh, you put some boars in studs. W- Want to share a couple of uh, a couple of the popular ones you you can remember? Sure. So yeah, we've we, we've been fortunate. We've we've had a couple boars go into stud. I mean, um, you know, take that, which would have been a whatever it takes. Son, we sold I think two years ago to Laird's, bring us like forty four thousand at summer type, which was which was a really awesome day. I mean, I'll I will never forget that day. Um, I, I literally, <laughs> the boar was still in the ring cell, like just went, had just said sold. And I climbed over the gate with the boar still in the ring and went up and about hugged Ted Laird and about <laughs> kissing right on the head. So, uh, I was, I was pretty, pretty fired up. That was, that was a pretty special day that I'll, 
I'll, I'll remember forever. I, you know, we, uh, we, we had a flat tire on the way home. I mean, we weren't 20 miles. I don't even know if we were 20 miles outside of, uh, the fairgrounds and we had a flat tire on the way home and we, oh, we aired it up and we got to Covington to, uh, right oh, by where John Parrish. Yeah. Right by the beef house. You know, JP, uh, John Parrish, which would be funny enough, Chad Day's uh, father-in-law. I, I called Chad cause Chad passed us and he was like, Hey, you got a flat tire. You know that? And I was like, yes, I know that. Can we pull into JP? So JP changed our tire. I'm thinking we just sold a boar for like 40 grand. Another one for, I don't even know, not a whole lot. I mean, we sold two boars for like 50,000 or something that day. And here we are pulling this like 92 a limb line low pro trailer that the, literally the wheels are falling off. Like <laughs> this, is, this is pretty funny. So anyway, Did you upgrade? Uh, Did you upgrade trailers since then? I, I, I did upgrade. Yes. My uncle still has that. I think he slapped some new rims on there and gave it an old acid bath and she's ready to go. So right. his, uh, his payments are pretty low on that old limb line. So you can't, can't argue <laughs> that. Yeah. I <clears throat> can't argue that at all. So, so yeah, um, that, that boar was fun. Um, we had, uh, I, I think the most influential boar we've been a part of would be Cadillac, um, which that'd be the champion boar from Duncan a few years ago that, sold to Bryce Conover first. And if you look at what Bryce has done in the past five or six years, Cadillac's been very, very influential for him. And then he ended up selling that board to Laird's probably three years ago. And, uh, he kind of lived out the last part of his life at Laird's and had a nice little kind of resurgence there for them. Um, then we had a Superman son that was sold to, um, Terry Schaefer. I don't know. That's been five years ago, probably. Um, a, a little boar. He was neat. He's a very neat little pig. He brings like twenty two thousand at summer type. So, yeah, we, we've we've had a nice nice little boar run. I, I really like the boar side. I think it's fun. I I like feeding those boars. They can be very very frustrating. Um, oh yeah. I, I I like to think that I'm I'm practicing really really well for whatever bears my my family is going to show here moving <laughs> forward. So if I can get those boars to respond and eat, surely I can get a show bear to yeah. do something. One right. would think. I would think so. Yeah. Well, the uh, you know the the old Alum line, uh, those things were built pretty stout, and and we you know no free ads, but I would say that was probably a smart <laughs> smart move to keep that that trailer around. Oh so. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That thing doesn't know him anything. <laughs> that's that's for sure. So um, yeah, it's a it's a good little. He's got some cut gates in it now, so Ooh. you know you can kind of do individual pinning. Um, yeah, it's a it, it's a slick little rig. Now uh, speaking of cut gates. And speaking of uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of rust, oh nice! You do have nice. another another hat that you wear that you mentioned earlier. I uh, use livestock equipment, and I, I tried my best to segue in, into. That was this. an incredible segue. Nice and, that, was, that was that was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that really. I'm proud of you. <laughs> but no, so uh, I'm I'm actually pretty curious about this because it's an incredible idea that people like me who don't want to go out. Well, people like me who don't know how to weld and make gates and B, don't want to go buy everything new, you've created a kind of sell and trade of the used equipment. So when did you think that this was the right time to do it when you started it? And uh, yeah, just describe about what used livestock equipment is. Yeah, before you do yeah. that, Nathan, shameless plug yeah. for Nathan. Uh, my father and I got rid of his 1993 Corn Pro trailer that he hauled around the very last year that we uh, showed Simmental cattle across the country and Nathan did yeah. get the trailer bought and sold for us. So, Oh, nice. Uh, it, yep. I think it works. I think it had like 
half of one light working when I left. Yes. Would, that, would that be about accurate? <laughs> that, okay. That'd probably be right. But we did put a new floor in it. So that's true. They have that a new going floor. For there you go. There you go. <clears throat> so yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the used equipment thing, you know, that, that just kind of started, I, I think like a lot of business stories, it, it kind of just started out, out of my own selfish need, truthfully. Um, so we were remodeling a barn here at the farm that I, I wanted to put like seven pins in this, in this barn. This used to be a dairy. And so we've got a handful of barns. Well, none of them are set up even remotely close for show pigs. Right. So we had a barn that, uh, that I needed some gates for. And my, my, one of my best friends, Kyle Poland had just bought some gates from a guy South of Richmond, Indiana. And, um, so I was talking with Kyle about something and, we just happened to get on the topic of it. And I said, Hey, do you, you know, of any gates anywhere? Like I, I'm looking and I don't really know where to get them, whatever. And he said, actually, yeah, there's a guy, there's a guy down Southern Indiana. Here's his number, blah, blah, blah. So we go down there. My, my friend that I worked with, um, at the, I worked at a John dealer, John Deere dealership for a while. I was in sales there and I was terrible at that job. Um, which is a good life lesson for a lot of people just, stick with it. Something better will come up. that suits you better. But anyway, it was not good at that job. That's the, I digress <laughs> off that anyway. So we go down there to this place and this guy had been out of the hog business for, I don't know, a handful of years and had pretty well pressure washed everything and shut the barn up since then. So we, we bought what we needed when we went to pay the guy. Uh, I mean, stuff was, he was, we wanted hardly anything for it. I mean, it was like scrap price, what he was wanting for, for all this stuff. And so my buddy and I were like, why don't we just see if we can buy all this and then see if we can kind of pay for the barn remodel and pay for the gates that we're buying for ourselves and see what happens. So, um, you know, we, we, we came to terms with the guy and it was a fantastic deal. And, uh, so I just took what I didn't need and ended up selling it online. I mean, this, this is not a new concept, right? I mean, we didn't reinvent the wheel here. Um, you know, used equipment had been sold online. Kevin Cooper has and still does sell, excuse me, equipment online. He, he's, a, he's a competitor, of course, but he and I um, are very cordial with each other. We work together a lot. So anyway, he had done this before. And so I got on online and I just happened to see what this stuff was selling for. I'm like, holy smokes, like this guy doesn't want hardly anything for this stuff. He just wants it out of here. Uh-huh. You know, kind of a, ser- a service for him. It works out for us and maybe we can, you know, turn a dollar or two. So anyway, we went back and bought everything he had for the most part. And I don't know, we ended up paying for my barn like five times over <laughs> what we ended up, you know, sell, selling that stuff for. I mean, it honestly, it was almost too good of a deal to start out with because we've kind of compared almost everything else we've ever bought to that deal. It's never been quite as good. Um, but so kind of just took that and ran with it a little bit. And I, I, I got a, the the guy that I uh, bought the equipment with first, Shane Williams is his name. Um, he and I partnered on stuff. And then I partnered with um, my dad and then another, my, actually he would have been my manager at the John Deere dealership and his wife. We all partnered together and kind of formed this little team and um, use livestock equipment, the very original name. Um, but, but does serve, does serve the purpose of describing exactly what our business is. Heck yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, we're, we're not going to get any awards for uh, originality there, but that's okay. <laughs> um, 
my buddy had just got online. He was like, Hey, use livestock equipment.com is available. Should we buy that? And I'm in like a light bulb went off in my head and I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, we should. That's perfect. And so like the next day I made a Facebook page that was just, you know, you, I got a little logo made and, um, started use livestock equipment's Facebook page. And we had, this is no exaggeration in like, I, I want to say within 48 hours, we had like 15,000 likes or something on the page. I mean, it, it was That's just wild. Like, it, it was overwhelming. Like every time I would refresh it, there'd be like another 500 likes. I mean, I was like messaging my friends, like, can you believe this is actually, <laughs> I cannot believe that this is happening. And so anyway, it, I, I kind of knew then, I mean, that, that was really kind of my, my aha moment of this whole thing. Like, man, people are really responding to this. Like th this could really be a thing. And that, that would have been, um, I think that was like March or, you know, late spring of, oh, I want to say 2015-ish. And um, my wife and I got married. And when we got married that summer, we, uh, we, we were literally sitting at a restaurant on the beach. And I, I told my wife, I said, I think I'm going to quit my job. Um, and I think I'm going to, cause I, I was working for my parents at the time. And I know you want to talk about that a little bit, Trevor, but I was working for my parents at the time. And, um, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really my deal. I mean, it wasn't really my thing. And so I told her, I said, Hey, I'm going to, I think I'm going to quit my job and I think I want to do this full time. And my, my wife, um, is incredibly supportive and I'm very, very thankful for that. I did not, um, I don't take, you know, take that for granted at all. So I'm, if there's anybody listening, the three people that are listening to this episode, um, <laughs> if you are single or you are looking for a spouse, make sure you get a supportive one, as I'm sure you, you guys know what that's all about now too. But um, it really does make all the difference in the world to have a supportive spouse. Well, so anyway, if, you have a, if you don't have a supportive spouse in the livestock industry, um, you're yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough road. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be tough for, for for both of you. Um, so anyway, um, went and told my parents that hey, I was I was gonna do this full time, and uh, they were like, are you know, my dad's like, are you are you sure? Like, are you sure that that's that's what 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 you want to do? And uh, I said, yeah, I I think it's really taken up. My parents are both entrepreneurs; they understand kind of what it takes to, to run a business and get it done. And he was like, how are you going to eat? Like that's, he literally asked me that question. And I said, you know, we're just gonna, I, I got to do it. I got to see it. my wife had a solid job. Um, she's a, she's a social worker. So it's not like she's, you know, bringing home six figures by any means, but I mean, a solid job to live within our means and uh, just decided we were going to tackle this thing and, and get after it. So we ended up buying my partners out and uh, it was just me for basically two and a half or three years, um, just kind of beating the pavement a little bit and trying to sell some rest. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think what, you know, your comment earlier, Trevor, about the timing of the whole thing, I, I think the timing was just perfect. I, you know, I, I don't think that, that we could have drawn that up any better. The, the point in time where we were in the industry as a whole, where, where people were upgrading their show barns, um, which continues to happen, uh, more and more people, uh, you know, we think people are getting out, out of this by, you know, the, the bigger guys are getting out or whatever. Well, you know, you can say that all you want, but you know, my, I mean, my QuickBooks would tell you differently that, you know, there are <laughs> tons, tons of people that 
have three to 10 sows Mm -hmm. and they, they don't know how long they're going to be in this. And so for them, it makes sense for them to save a little money. They can buy it all in one spot. They can come and pick up everything they want on a Wednesday night if they have to. And, uh, it really has just worked really well. I mean, it's, um, it is not an easy business to get into by, by any stretch. I mean, you, you have to be patient. You've got to have cash flow. I mean, you've got to really make sure you get into deals, right? Because if you, if you get upside down in a deal, I mean, it, it, it can really, it can really hurt you because, um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I would imagine most banks aren't going to loan people money that are going to go out and buy rusty gates and use fairing crazy <laughs> yeah. heaters. So, right. uh, we, we've had, we've, you know, flowed the whole thing, which has been really, really great. Um, for, and I don't mean that being cocky by any means. I mean, it's just one of those things where we had to be realistic in this deal mm-hmm. and, and, and know and stay within our means in the whole situation. So it's been, it's been awesome. Um, I've met so many people, just awesome people. Uh, that's really what this whole thing's been about. And I, I can tell you with absolute certainty that there's no way that I, I would have the Sunglow job um, that I cherish with it, if I did not start the equipment business. I mean, I can just 100% say that for a fact. Um, it's it's really has opened up a lot of doors for us. Yeah. Well, okay. I got to pick your brain now because you know, Trevor and I with the with the podcast is what we would consider our side hustle. We'd like to think sure. that a lot of people in this livestock business have have day jobs to fund their livestock Absolutely. side hustle. And so, you know, what do you what do you, how do you balance owning a business with a, a full time job with realistically one of the biggest um, ag companies worldwide in Cargill uh, working for Sunglow? What's what's the grind like? That's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my wife would be quick to tell you that if it weren't probably for her and her influence, that I would probably just work myself about to death. <laughs> um, she is, she's very good about keeping me in a work-life balance. Um, I probably didn't really know what that was truthfully. And, um, but you know, once you have a kid, I mean, your whole world kind of shifts. And so you're, you're definitely, you're forced to, which I am 100% okay with. I mean, I wouldn't trade that for, for anything. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, being a father and being a husband, those are the two most important jobs that I, that I have. So, uh, as, as far as balancing those, Corey, I mean, it's, it's hard, but I, I told my, um, my boss, Ben Bobel and his boss, Scott Harold, when they interviewed me, um, you know, almost, you know, pushing two years ago that I would be, when I wake up in the morning, I, I will put my sun glow hat on. I mean, that, that is my, that is my nine to, that's not, you know, none of these jobs are nine to five, mm-hmm. right? I mean, <laughs> not nine to five is a joke. I mean, it's, you know, five to nine on the, on the other end of things for sometimes. So really that sun glow is my focus. Um, now I, there is a lot of overlapping pieces to my, the different things I'm involved with. So, I mean, 
you know, if I'm talking to a, an equipment customer, a lot of times we talk about feed. You know, if I'm talking to a feed customer, sometimes we talk about equipment. I mean, it just, it all kind of has its own little synergistic value to it, to where everything just kind of ties in together. Um, and it really, the, this whole thing kind of boils down to you, you never know who you're going to impact and who you're going to be talking with and, and where they could influence or you could influence them later on in life. So, uh-huh. um, it's been, it's been a challenge to figure out. Now I still struggle with it. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I, some days I struggle and I talk to Ben about this every now and then like, dude, I don't like, I just don't know what to do right now. Like I, I have a thousand things to do and I don't know what to do. Right. Don't know what to do right now. And so I, I make a lot of lists. I've got a day planner. I've got my calendar on my phone. I got my calendar on my work computer. I mean, like I just do my best and I am not perfect at it by any stretch. Um, I struggle with it daily, but, you know, prioritizing the most important things first and then just working down through that list um, and just trying to knock things out, you know, as, as best we can, knowing that, you know, Sunglow is priority one and that ULE is priority two. And show pigs are priority three. I mean, that, that's really just kind of how it falls. Unfortunately, huh. um, I've got Clay that works for me on the equipment side that that he can he can do about anything here on the farm, and I trust him one hundred percent. And uh, I'm very fortunate to have to have him, so he can he can do a lot of the equipment stuff that I would normally be doing, but have to focus on and want to focus on uh, growing the sunglow business. Right. Yeah, that cool. is always, I mean, that's, I'm glad Corey brought that up because I love what you said, though, because everything in this industry is uh, is focused uh, or is interconnected somehow, and the people yeah. are, are, are all over the place. Hey, shout out to our buddy Chase Fleece. If nobody pays attention to Walton Webcasting, which we mentioned earlier in the show, Let's take a break from Nathan Day because uh, we got to tell you, Chase, Chase and family uh, just bred the champion sales steer at the Hoosier Beef Congress. That was pretty cool. Um, exhibited by the Pruitt family. Heck yeah. Um, pretty neat. Pretty neat deal. So congratulations, which brings up the point of these guys get it at mm-hmm. Fleece Performance Engineering. Obviously, clearly, obviously, clearly involved in the show stock business. So they understand that having a truck, a diesel truck, that is, that can get you up and down the road to the shows reliably and at the best performance possible, you need the best products possible. Folks, check out the complete lineup of drop-in cheetah turbochargers, power lift pumps, injection pumps, and more. If you're Cummins Duramax or Power Stroke, you can learn more about their great products at fleeceperformance.com or visit their new facility in Pittsburgh, Indiana, just west of Indianapolis on I-74. Use promo code STOCKTALK for 10% off your purchase. Back to the show. Um, but we'll, we'll touch on this briefly because I know you don't have much of a hand on it anyway, but uh, you said that you worked for your parents uh before you jumped right into the used livestock business, tell us a little bit yep. about uh, what that was like and what you guys, uh, what your what your parents own. Yep. So my parents own uh, Day Furs, um, and that's 
our last name and uh, fur and leather and uh, luxury outerwear retail business to where they um, they don't they don't buy any hides they don't buy any thing like that I mean they they, they buy a finished retail product that they sell off the rack um, at their uh, brick and mortar store um, in Carmel which is you know just south of here a, a little ways and then they've uh, they, they do a lot of online business as well. So um, they've done that since the early 80s. My dad got his um, his start by trapping um, the creek that ran behind the house that he grew up in, that I grew up in, and kind of selling um, some hides and stuff growing up and then got involved with um, a gentleman that he did an apprenticeship under. And um, my mom and him got married right after my mom graduated from Purdue in like 1980. And then they started their business pretty well right after that. So um, it's been neat to watch that grow. And uh, they actually, they, they have a very, a very good used um, fur coat business as well online. Um, so it's kind of funny where, that, you know, my, my day job for a while was helping people sell, you know, help my family sell fur coats. And here I am on the other side of things selling some rusty gate to some <laughs> dude from who knows where. So, uh, it's, well, I, I have learned to, <laughs> to be very, very balanced on either end of that and, and also never judge people, uh, by their appearance. Cause you, you really don't know what they're going through and you don't know what kind of, what kind of dollars they are going to pull out of their pocket either. That's no kidding. So Hummel, Hummel sells a cat to Justin <clears throat> Bieber. Does right. mom and dad at day first sell a fur coat to DJ Khaled? <laughs> <laughs> uh well i mean he is the best so um you know i they, they don't get a ton of quote-unquote celebrity trap i mean they, they have had some local sports um people uh, well when you say local stuff. sports you say local sports in indianapolis area i mean you're talking colts and pacers right yep yep <laughs> I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. How about that? Oh, uh, you you can't disclose. I mean, I no, can't really see I can't, Peyton Manning. I can't disclose. I can't see Peyton Manning wearing yeah. a fur coat, but you never know. <laughs> I mean, he did live in Denver for a while too, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. he had, he, he might have had to keep warm. I don't know. So, well, it's safe to no, say that the, uh, the entrepreneurial blood runs deep. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I pretty well had no choice. I'm I'm not gonna say no choice, but I mean, I am pretty well entrepreneurial up and down. I mean, I just, I have that running through my blood. I mean, my, my, my mom and my dad, obviously, and then my aunt, my uncle that we live right next to my dad's sister and her husband. I mean, they owned a family owned pharmacy here in Westfield for a while. They had a flower shop that they ran. Uh, I mean, my, actually my wife's dad, my father-in-law, he has his own business that he started. So, it's it's pretty neat for all of us to kind of compare and um, not not compare in a way that's like my business is doing better than it's nothing like that. I mean it's it, it's more so like hey what what do you got going and then we can kind of brainstorm. I mean we we do that all the time, which is which is kind of neat. Um, it's definitely different than than probably most family dinners, but um, it's it's just really neat that we have kind of that that connection and. You know, I once once I started working for my parents, I, I really started to understand more so the kind of sacrifice that they that they've made for my brother and I. Um, I mean, they they work some stupid hours. I mean, stupid, especially this time of year. I mean, this is their busy season, yeah. and uh, so it's I, I definitely got a better appreciation for that when when I worked for them. 
Um, and you know, when I worked there, I mean, I, I was all in and, uh, when the equipment thing popped up and, you know, I had a chance to go do something on my own and my, my parents were 100% supportive. Uh, they weren't upset. They weren't, you know, mad that I was going to go do out and do something on my own. I mean, they just, they wanted to make sure that I was going to be able to take care of my family, which I can understand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally get it. Well, Corey, it's time for our first topic. Topics from a hat. Brought to you by Fierce Threads, the only apparel that we get screen printed and embroidered comes from Fierce Threads, your number one source for that high quality screen printing and embroidery. Put your business success forefront and upgrade your apparel today. Fierce Threads. This one is uh, one that we've we got pretty recently, Corey, I think. Uh, so Garrett's from Indiana and he sends us on Instagram. He's 18 years old and currently has three sows. We talked about this earlier. A lot of people who just have three sows. Yep. Uh, he wants to know what advice you would give to a young pig breeder who are trying to take the next step and making career out of selling show pigs. It's his passion and he's idolized boar studs and studied catalogs day and night. No pun intended. How does he make his dream become a reality? <clears throat> well, I, I, I think first of all, number one, Garrett, good job. Um, there's, there's not a lot of 18 year olds that kind of have that. Um, I don't even know what the right word is. I mean, thriftiness or the, you know, entrepreneurial type spirit that where they want it, they want to do this. Um, I, I would say, I, I guess here, here's my advice. My, my advice would be, Number one, to go to college um, or to go and get some kind of degree. It doesn't even have to be a, you know, associate or bachelor. I mean, go to a trade school or, you know, learn a trade or, or get a degree would be number one. And then after that, get, get a job that, you know, that you can support yourself or your family or whatever. And then <clears throat> continue to grow your herd and build it from there. I mean, you know, starting with three sows, I mean, we're, we're going to be realistic here, right? I mean, no, no one can make a living on, on three sows, right? right? I mean, that's just, it's literally impossible unless you're going to have, you know, three $50,000 boars out of, you know, one out of each litter every year. I mean, that's <laughs> just, it's, it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. So and we're going to find those uh, sows. We're going to clone them and yes. we'll distribute them. And then to... we're going to flood the market and then we're not going to make any money, Corey. Come <laughs> yeah. on. Right. Yep. Yep. Think about that. That's how this works. <clears throat> yeah. So I would say, be realistic, but also don't, you I mean, don't be afraid to dream, but also be re- realistic. I mean, I, I, I am a, I guess I would consider myself a realistic dreamer, if that makes any sense. Um, where I, I understand how hard it is to make money at this. I mean, there, you know, there, there's a reason why, you know, we have 15,000, I've got basically, you know, two full-time jobs almost. I mean, we're not, we, we don't do the show pig thing um, to make money really. I mean, yes, it's nice when we sell a board for decent money or we have a good sale. Like, yeah, that's great. Um, but you got to have a paycheck coming in to take care of some things. And, uh, I, and I, I would say this to make, make sure you get involved or, and talk with, you know, breeders that you trust and, you know, boar stud guys that you trust and don't be afraid to pick their brain on that. I mean, I, I'm maybe not even the best person for that, for that question, um, because I'm, I'm going to be pretty real with you and tell you that with three styles, you're just not going to be able to do it. Um, now 
Are there opportunities within this industry for you to make a living? Absolutely. You just got to find it. You got to carve out a niche for yourself. You got to make it, um, make it your own and in whatever that is and set yourself apart. I mean, there's, you know, there's a hundred guys with three sows that, that sit there and, and look through Borstead magazines, you know, every night and dream about selling one for 150,000. I mean, everybody does that. Everybody wants to do that. It's just, what do you do to set yourself apart? What are you doing on a day-to-day basis to make yourself better, make your livestock better? Yeah. And I would, mm. I would piggyback onto that also, uh, if Garrett's listening is, if you are that passionate about this industry, first and foremost, that's awesome. And if you idolize those boar studs, don't do it so much to where you're afraid of them. Because I would guarantee you, if a boar stud is willing or needs somebody as passionate as they are about their boar stud, and if they know that an 18-year-old is looking at their catalogs and those pedigrees probably better than anybody else out there, they would probably hire you. And what right. better way to understand how the industry works before you go in and start growing your herd than working for a boar stud that you've idolized. So that would be along. I I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're Um, good. Alongside alongside that. Don't, don't be afraid to do like, don't be afraid to do dirty work. Yes. I mean, like don't, you know, I've often thought, when, when I'm in a bar, we don't, I don't do this as much anymore, but you know, when I would be in some of these barns, you know, literally crawling through like dead rats and like just disgusting, like gross conditions of whatever we need to finish unit we were in, that's been shut down for 10 years and they just shut the lights off and walked away. I mean, you know, disgusting places. And I'm thinking, man, I have my college degree. Like, yeah, I, I, I am, not that I'm too good for this by any stretch, but it's just like, man, this is gross. I mean, this is hard work. And, but at the same time, and I wasn't afraid of it and I'm still not. And so my, I guess my, my advice on that, you know, to, to Garrett would be, don't be afraid to be the guy that's cleaning pins. Right. I mean, everybody started somewhere. Yep. Everybody started as yep. the guy that, that, that did the hard work and go, go into it, you know, expecting that, this is what you're going to do. You know, they might not ask what my opinion on this boar is. They might not take me to, you know, summer type conference or, you know, on a boar tour trip to go buy 10 boars. You know, they might not take me to go, go to those places, but if you're trustworthy and you work hard and you're passionate about it, they're, they're going to see that. Yeah, no doubt. What, what a lot of people don't realize that, you know, Trevor and I have learned starting this podcast is sacrifice, and and staying hungry are the two biggest killers of people trying to stay passionate about something um because if you if you don't sacrifice the right things or if you sacrifice too much you can lose your passion for something pretty quick uh, yep. and, and if you don't do things to stay hungry uh for it you know what what's what's the light at the end of the tunnel you know boy Trevor and I sure thought it would be nice here uh, this year to have 6,000 plays uh, in our podcast. We average that uh, above that a week now. Um, And and that's not being boastful. That's just saying like we have found a way to stay hungry and sacrifice the right things um, in in the right moments to hustle because the light at the end of the tunnel keeps getting brighter. And, you know, I think if you treat people the right way, you don't act above 
where you're at in life and you find the right, you know, advisors and mentors, you can, you can make dreams reality pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good topic. Good topic, Garrett. Appreciate you sending Absolutely. that in. Don't forget, folks, continue to send in your topics from a hat. We do have several, several good ones uh, yet to come and uh, really appreciate you guys doing that. Stay connected with us. We love it. So that brings us to the next little piece of discussion. I, As Trevor and I were kind of coming up with uh, an outline, things we wanted to talk about. I was like, you know what? Nathan would be a good guy to talk to this uh, about because, you know, we talk about, you know, those guys getting passionate and stuff, um, wanting to continue on and be successful in this industry. I think the biggest thing that people fail to do, or at least a younger generation fails to do is take a, take a step back and, you know, look at where we came from, look at where we were 10 years ago, five years ago, uh, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and that's something that Trevor and I, we've always had an appreciation for. And we know that you do too, um, given the amount of old rusty signs that you sell for a uh, profit on your <laughs> online platform. Anyways, <laughs> I digress. But, uh, but you know, sometimes, times are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that's right. Um, times are changing. Um, a lot of these shows and breeders uh, are adapting to what we need to do to keep this, uh, what you famously coined the phrase of community growing, uh, this community of livestock producers and, and showmen. Um, what are some of the kind of most innovative, useful tools, um, things that you've seen to help kind of propel us into that next generation of the show stock world? If that makes sense. Yeah. So, to me, I mean, the, the obvious answer to this one is, is social media, right? I mean, it's, it's our, <laughs> you know, it can be the bane of our existence or it can be an unbelievable tool for us to um, educate, for us to promote, for us to market our products. Um, but I, I think that we have to do that with the caveat of you, you can't be an idiot, right? I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I know that that's maybe not the most <clears throat> politically correct way to say that, but you, you have to understand that people are inundated nonstop with information, with news, with pictures, with video, with non, I mean, we are on our phones. My, it makes me want to puke when I get my weekly screen time report on my phone about how many hours I spend attached to this stupid thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it, it is, it, it makes me nauseous almost. I mean, like it's, it's insane. So I think technology and social media, I mean, it's not going away. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is the quickest. It is the most cost effective. It is the, easiest i would even say way to communicate your message it but with that we just have to be really careful um because everyone feels like they have a platform now which they do they have a platform you know at literally at their fingertips and they can say whatever they want i i guess my my thought and my advice around that is whatever just be careful whatever you put on the internet i mean that that can come back and haunt you 
um, in a job interview that can come back and haunt you. You know, if you're if you're looking for a spouse and they see something that's way unbecoming or whatever. I mean, just just be really smart. I I do think that there's going to be new ways and different ways for people to market um, their livestock or their products. But to me, I mean, social media is the I mean, it's the 800 pound gorilla. I mean, it, it really is the going to continue to be the way of the future. Now there's going to be, have to be tweaks and adaptations and I'm sure something else is going to come along because, you know, different audiences are going to different media platforms. I mean, the same people that are on Facebook, you know, five years ago, they might spend five minutes on Facebook now, you know, they, right. they, they might spend more time on Twitter or more time on Instagram or, you know, different generations use Facebook differently where, you know, grandmas might share recipes on Facebook where, you know, little Johnny's posting pictures of his pig on Instagram. I mean, and he'll never be on Facebook. So, yeah. you know, th- those are things you, you have to think about, you know, know who your target audience is on whatever you're trying to market and utilize that platform appropriately. You know, from the sunglass side of things, we don't post the same things on, um, you know, all of our social media platforms. I mean, we, we, we mix it up and we, we know who our audience is within each of those different platforms, to, you know, to best, educate the best reach them i mean to just think that you can just it, it's not as easy as it probably once was um because people have so many different ways of communicating socially online that they're, they're going to find the one that they like the best or the couple that they like the best and they're not even going to pay attention to the others mm. marketing 101 yeah let's dig into that actually a little bit more uh you know you're Special. the the sungla specialist or the marketing specialist there <laughs> and some of the coolest things that p- people seen, I mean, the uh, the mechanical, the beast livestock and all of that good stuff that everybody recognizes. So what are you going to, or I guess, what tips on top of that would you say? You said you spread it out across different platforms, but do you strategically know, okay, Instagram is typically younger audience and Facebook is older and just everything surrounding it. I guess we can break it apart a little bit more, but how do you guys as a team or you yourself uh, with your other businesses target an audience and what's the best way to not overdo it on social media and advertising in general? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Let's just start into it. Yeah. So, I mean, if we had three hours, we could still be talking about this, (laughs) this topic. I mean, you know, for us as a business, um, when I say us, I'm talking Sunglow for, for us as a business, you know, we, we have made the decision to utilize each platform a little bit differently. Um, when, when I first started, I saw a trend in social media on the show, on the, from the, from a feed company perspective that to me just got boring. Um, you know, I, I think, historically show feed companies have done a really good job of highlighting the winners. Right. Mm-hmm. And while that is important, 100% it, it is, it is important. I, I don't want any misconception there. I do feel like though, that there are other ways that you can help, you know, build your business without just promoting um, whoever won the jackpot show this weekend. Um, now we, we still do that. We still promote winners. However, there's kind of a time and a place to where you're not flooding your own 
market, I guess I could say, on social media. Like if, if we just posted 50 winners every day for the next 30 days, we would have more unfollows than I could even, you know, count up. Mm-hmm. I mean, people would get tired of seeing that. So when, when we started doing stuff a little bit different by, you know, shooting, you know, I don't know, like 75 educational videos over the past year, year and a half, and, you know, promoting those types of things by teaching people and helping people understand our products better. Um, it, and knowing that on Instagram, you know, those, those five minute videos don't play out as well for us, but on Facebook, you know, they, they do play out well for us. Um, and, you know, winners, you know, neat photos get some traction on, um, Facebook, but they get way better traction on Instagram. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of, you know, it, it, it's a moving target, right? I mean, social media is still something that we're all kind of figuring out together. We're all kind of in this boat together. And we, we're, we're all working towards understanding how it, it, it's psychology is really what it is. I mean, you're constantly trying to put your, this is what I try to do. I kind of constantly am trying to put myself into users shoes and into their phone saying, okay, if I see this, I'm going to like this, share it. I'm going to show it to somebody, whatever. Or if I'm desperate for information, because there's so much information out there, like how do they, how do they work through that information to know what's true and what's real and what's really going to help them? Like, for example, all those Facebook groups, you know, there's 50 different show pig Facebook groups. And I, I, I don't mean this in any, I mean, I'm not making fun of those people at all, but like, those people are desperate for information. Yeah. Like they, they get on there and they type, how do I, I mean, my pig has five red lines running down his back. You know, there might be 50 different ways that a person is going to work towards clearing that up. But you also get on there and you see people that have questions about, Hey, my bear can only gain two pounds over the next 10 days. What can I do? Or, um, I, I don't know where my closest dealer is or, I, my, my pig isn't sounding like there's, there's a million different ways that people are trying to get information. And a lot of the information that they get on there while it's coming from people that mean well is often not very useful. And so I think it's our job as a feed company to do our best and are we perfect at it? No, but it's, it's our job to do our best to educate our customers um, as best as we can so they can know if I click on this video from Sunglow, this is going to be good information that I can retain that I'm going to go home and I'm going to use. Now, is it only a minute? Maybe, you know, we've got the 60 seconds with Sunglow series. That's just literally one 60 seconds. And it's three things about our feeds with a pro tip at the end. But the other part that we do is the how they feed series that are, you know, five to seven minutes where we sit down with, you know, a pro that's fed our feed that's been very, very successful because people, people look up to, you know, other breeders that they would never walk up to and say, Hey, can you, can you teach me how to feed, you know, game on? I mean, they, they, those breeders or those feeders would be happy to do it for the most part, but those people are so afraid. Um, I don't, you know, not all people, but many people would be very afraid to walk up to somebody and just say, Hey, how do you feed this? But they can sit and watch and learn and really understand our products better. Yeah. Well, and the other, the other, the overarching piece of this is in any marketing scheme or in any business setting, you want to be seen and known as the trusted advisor to whatever consumer or whatever um, your buying audience is, whether you're Absolutely. selling 
cattle or show pigs, you know, you don't want your show pig guy going to five other different people asking them how they, how they would feed this barra. Uh, why not no. ask the guy that you're buying them from? And, Correct. and, you know, I don't care if you're, you're listening from a, with a business mind and, and, and goal or whatever shouldn't matter. I think the, the thought is, is, is keeping And in what I've learned in, in my current job of farm journalist is keeping a consistent message in front of people that, um, you know, and, and frequently uh, doing it now, don't be overwhelming. Don't be posting stuff yep. every two minutes, but you yep. know, hitting people two or three times a day with a message is not a bad thing. Um, yep. because in this digital age, you see it just as fast as it goes. And if you Absolutely. are not being consistent, um, it's a problem. But the other thing I would say, and not trying to tell people that they all need to advertise on, on this podcast, because quite frankly, it is a different advertising uh, a- avenue, but you know, don't just stick to social media. I, I know that there's a lot of people on there. Um, you know, people think these, these print bore catalogs and, and print magazines are going away. They're really not. I mean, yes, there's a huge shift towards digital, but you know, if you want to be seen everywhere, you got to be everywhere. Um, be be diverse in your messaging um, when it comes to the platforms you use. Um, yeah, that's I, another piece of advice I, I would say. I would think to you know to touch on that. I the goal should be to have a plan, right? I mean, we we can go through this with with the shotgun approach. And yeah, you're probably going to hit something, but it's not good enough. I mean, you, you, you really need to come up with, okay, you know, I'm going to post whatever it is, you know, three to five times a week. And mm-hmm. I'm going to post on these different channels and I'm going to post this on this channel and this on this channel. And we're going to save $200 this month and put that towards sponsored um, advertising in whatever, you know, towards whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you, you really have to come up with, with some kind of a plan or, or it can become overwhelming. I mean, there, there's so many different places that you can advertise that you can spend your money, um, which is great that you have options, but at the same time, you, you gotta, you gotta have some kind of a, a script to go off of, um, to, but, but also understand too, that, you know, it's not, it's never going to be perfect. I mean, this isn't, you know, marketing and, you know, building a brand. It's not a perfect science. I mean, you can't just, Yes, there can be there can be a script that you can go from to help build it, but it's not just like, yeah, I'd like to order, um, you know, a hundred thousand followers, and I'd like for them all <laughs> to um, purchase X Y Z online, and then all to go into. The, I mean, it's impossible. That doesn't happen. Right. I wish it was so, that easy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't we all? Huh. But yeah, I, I think that that's that's a great topic to bring up. I mean, it's. Um, I hope I didn't give away too many <clears throat> trade secrets there and I still have a job tomorrow, but, um, <laughs> you know, what, I, I think what, what sets us apart, I'd like to think what sets us apart is that we, we don't look like, you know, anybody else online. And that, that, that's really what we're trying to go for. Mm. Yep. Well, we can well, stay on the social media topic, Corey. We sure can. Social smash. Let's have some fun with this one. Brought to you by Brad Halford. If you ever get in a fender bender, maybe you smash that vehicle up, why don't you visit Brad Halford in Kokomo, Indiana, because it's time to upgrade to a new truck to cruise into that next show. Folks, you still have time to get that tax write-off 
go get yourself a nice diesel from Brad Halford and then maybe pop some uh, equipment in there from Fleece Performance. There you uh, go. Shameless plug for both of our folks. Uh, award-winning service yep. that will lead you in the right direction on your next vehicle purchase. Nathan, so, let's talk about pet peeves. I mean, we talked about what to do right, things that happen, and, and we can talk about what to do right here in this segment. But yeah. uh, your interaction on social media is, is one that uh, I, I appreciate quite a bit. Uh, your the the one-liner comments get me a lot. Um, I probably don't like as many, just so you don't get a big head. Uh, but I will say uh, for the world to hear that that you do um, you do have some pretty quality comments depending on the post. But uh, let's let's talk about that peeps. I thought you were going to say it so the world does know that I do have a big head because I, <laughs> Doug, you, Doug, it's not Doug Albright big. Doug Albright, <clears throat> Doug Albright, and I both have. I mean, monster noggins. I mean, we just, <laughs> I yeah, finding the baseball hat to fit me like half my life was was, was very very challenging. So, um, <clears throat> you know, this I, I have thought. I've thought a lot about this topic um, and I, I don't even know if I'm, if I'm the right person to, to talk about it um, as far as pet peeves go, because, you know, looking back, like I have made some mistakes on social media. Like I have posted some stuff that I've been, you know, even called out for, you know, not publicly, but privately that I looking back, I'm like, man, I should, I should not have posted that. Like that's, that was maybe crossing the line a little bit. I mean, it, it is no secret, right? I mean, I do like to have fun on social media. Um, one, one thing about the livestock community for me is if we can't make fun of each other in this, like almost what's the point? Like that's, that's like one of my favorite things about this whole deal and not, not in a mean spirited way, but you know, I, I, I like to get ribbed a little bit. I mean, I like people making fun of us a little bit or me and then me giving it right back. And just I, I think that, you know, we don't have to take everything so freaking seriously. Mm-hmm. Like if, if we want to be, you know, robots, that's fine. But man, we are not on this earth very long. And I'm not saying do it in a way that's, that's negative or has to bring people down, but it's okay to poke fun at people a little bit, you know, that, you know, right. Um, now I'm not saying make fun of some strange. I'm not saying make fun of anybody. <laughs> I, what I'm saying is keep keep things light and don't, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, air your dirty laundry on social media. Um, what, what, what I do want to say about social media is, <clears throat> so I didn't really know how we would get into this, but I, I kind of wanted to on, on a couple different levels, but you know, when my son was sick this summer and, um, first of all, I, there's so many people that I probably didn't think that donated to, um, Riley Children's Hospital and, um, that the GoFundMe that we put together for the nurses and, um, you know, this is a great platform for me to have the chance to do that. So I, you guys were, were very involved in that too. So thank you so much. Um, that really, that, that really meant a lot to us. Um, you know, we had, you know, Brian Arnold prayed for, uh, Henry at, um, Louisville this summer and, I think Kylie North is the one that shot the video and someone sent it to me and I ended up posting that on social media and it, it almost went like, almost like, like viral, like in a way that I was a little embarrassed um, because I, I didn't want it to portray it 
as us trying to get attention. That was like the last thing that I really wanted. Um, cause I, I feel like a lot of times when people post things on social media, that's like super personal, that a lot of times it can be perceived whether it is or not can be perceived as attention seeking. And that's like the last thing that, that, that I really wanted from that. Um, but it was, it was so powerful, um, for, for our family, for Brian to do that. I mean, I, I will never forget my, my wife and I literally watching that live, um, on Walton and in the hospital room, like weeping. And, um, you know, our son was all plugged up and was, you know, unconscious, you know, three feet away from us and just crying. And <clears throat> fortunately we're, we're out of the woods and we're all, we're all good now, but you know, social media and the amount of people that reached out to me because of that post and the amount of people that were in the livestock, you know, I keep saying the word community because I, I, I frown on the word um, industry a little bit. Now, I am not naive. I mean, I'm a capitalist at heart. I mean, I understand that this is a, an industry that I make my living in doing, but I think sometimes it gets lost a little bit that it truly is a, you know, a community of people that are like-minded, that care more about each other than they do about a four-legged animal, which I, I truly believe that deep down. So the amount of people that reached out to me that donated to that um, GoFundMe for, for Riley for the fundraiser, I would say 90% close to that of my friends that donated were, were all from the livestock community. And that, that to me, I think just shows, you know, the power uh, of us. When I say us, I'm talking to you know, our community and the power that social media can play in people's lives in, in a positive way. So um, I'm, I'm not going to get into things that drive me crazy on social media. I mean, you know, there's the only thing that I, that, that I will say is, you know, just, just be smart. I mean, Brian Arnold had some good, good thoughts about social media. Um, go back and listen to his. Um, I would say the only thing that really does drive me crazy, it really doesn't have to do with social media, but I, I really want the livestock project to continue to be about young people. And I think that a lot of times when I'm at a show or I'm judging and I hear the, the overbearing coach, dad, mom, whomever on the sidelines, basically, I don't want to say yelling, but overly aggressively, enthusiastically coaching their child as they're in the show ring. Now, I will be the first to admit that when my brother was showing, I was probably, I was like that a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. But growing up and seeing it from the inside out, like there is nothing that makes me want to just flip out on somebody than the dad that's over there yelling at his kid as he's in the ring showing. I mean, it just drives me insane. So if you're that dad and you think that's okay, that's fine. You and I can have that discussion, but there, there is a better way to do that without embarrassing your child and making it about you. Uh-huh. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> well, it's a, uh, it's a similar concept to, you know, the, the bleacher coach at a T-ball game, you know, oh, gosh. Yeah. let, let yeah. the coaches coach. And, and <clears throat> more importantly, that's why they have practice. That's why you work long hours in the yard yeah. or in the barn, getting those things ready. Like if you're not ready at that point in time to, to make it go time, you know, uh, 
I don't have any other words for you. Yeah, shouldn't, than, shouldn't really yeah, have to sideline coach at that point. Yeah, uh, I mean, I and don't I I don't want anybody to, to mishear that. Like I I am all for coaching. I am all for yes. encouraging. I am all for um, critical. I don't even know critical thinking, not thinking. What, what What's the word I'm looking for? Um, constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. There we go. Yeah. I couldn't even think of the freaking word. Yeah. <laughs> I am all for constructive criticism, right? I am 100% for all that. Now, as your animal steps in the ring, is that the time for constructive criticism? Personally, I don't think so. Now I'm going to have to revisit this podcast in five or six years when my kid first steps into the ring we'll see, I have we'll no see how doubt. it ages <laughs> yeah 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 I, I i have no doubt and i don't want to come across as a hypocrite because i i have done the same thing but i i just think there's a way that you can do it that's okay mm-hmm. and i think there's a way that you can get way out of bounds with it and i yeah. I, I am totally out on the out of bounds part yep. yeah i would say yeah uh, there i mean if you if you ever go to a major sheep show and look on the sidelines at the number <laughs> of people out there doing c- coaching yeah but not being blatantly obvious about it, it's actually kind of kind of fun to watch, really. Uh, right. Yeah. Just like the communication, but but the yelling from the sideline, the whistling, the you know. Yeah. Corey, just... what what you're describing is the third base coach giving a signal to the runner on second to steal. Yeah, absolutely. Like, do a little arm sleeve pat down. Yeah. Swipe across the chest, thumbs up twice. Pat but the not head, the parent you know, in the stands. The eyebrow. Yelling at the umpire. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. Please pause for a brief break in the action with our discussion with Nathan. But we got a message from Murray State University from the Swine Unit. From personalized, real-world learning community to securing valuable internships and career network opportunities to prepare students for a lifetime of success, Murray State University gets you where you want to go. Engage one-on-one with faculty in their labs or work in one of their five teaching farms, including the student-led and operated Showpig facility. The Swine Lab and Show Pig Operation at Murray State houses 30 sows dedicated exclusively to breeding purebred and crossbred show pig production. But you won't find a farm manager there. Instead, they will employ a team of student-led leaders who each oversee their piece of the farm's genetics, breeding, farrowing, marketing, sales management, and boar stud operations. Classes are offered in swine science, swine production, and individual swine practicums. Follow them on their Instagram and Facebook pages at MSU Showpigs or their website at murraystate.edu slash swineunit. Murray State University, get an education, not just a degree. Let's get back to the action with Nathan Day. Okay, well, I'm stuck with the last question. Corey did it again to me, and uh, we've covered a lot in this episode so far, so um, I'm sure this will be all-encompassing and come to a good close. But as you know, Nathan, we end the episodes with where do you see the show stock industry in five years? So, the, the, you know, this is another one that I every, – every time I listen to an episode, I, I think to myself, you know, how, how would I answer this question? And I I think that the – I almost don't know if, if five years is enough um, to, to really, because the, the older that I get, the older that you guys get, the faster five years goes. Uh. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, five years ago feels like six months ago sometimes. So to me, I, I'm a, 
I'm not so concerned about where we are in five years. What, what I'm thinking about is, you know, where are we in 20 years? Uh, where are we in 30, 40, 50 years from now? And are, are we setting a foundation up that is strong enough for this project uh, to continue to move forward? And I, I'd like to say that the answer to that would be a resounding yes. Um, I don't know if it's resounding. I, I do know that it is a positive way that we are moving forward. What, what, what I would like to see, what, what my challenge would be for a lot of people is let's, let's not forget that this project, and I, I know we all kind of joke like, oh, it's about the kids, like blah, blah, blah. Like some people joke about that, but if, if we're really being serious about this and we really want this thing to go forward, I mean, it really is about the young people that are, that are involved. And I know this, I know I'm not the first person to say that. I mean, we're not, I, I, I understand that, but what, what scares me a little bit is young people that are, are becoming further and further removed from either the day-to-day interaction with their project or the selection of their project or the, you know, the feeding, the, the taking care of their project. And, and, and to me, I, I'm not going to say that I haven't been involved in all three, you know, that we haven't helped people out, that the kid really didn't, honestly didn't care much, or that, you know, somebody came and bought their kid's pig and the kid had no idea. I'm not going to say that I haven't been involved in stuff like that because I have. I mean, truthfully, I have. I mean, we've had pigs that have lived here, that the kid was here only a few times in the summer and that pig went on to do well. But, you know, what, what did that kid really learn? I mean, like that kid didn't learn much. And so, I think a lot about this and the fact that we have to continue to police ourselves and asking ourselves, you know, are, are we genuinely doing this for the right reasons? And, and to me, yes, you can make a living and yes, you can, um, you know, carve out a nice living for yourself. I mean, I, I'm one of the people that's very, very fortunate that has, you know, I have a job that like maybe five people in the 10 people in the country have like, not very many people have a show feed job and a side business and get to raise show feed. Like not, I live a very, I mean, God has blessed me beyond belief in, in that part of my life in every part of my life, but make sure we, we, we've got to continue to make sure that, that young people are, are continuing to stay more and more involved and that we're not just making these projects um, a vehicle for people to live vicariously through kids. Mm. Mm. powerful stuff and and it's you went a little dan hogue on us which i can appreciate um <laughs> and and looking looking that far into the future it really makes you think though i mean trevor and i talk about it too it's like you know we asked this question five years you know okay what's it look like in six months what's it look like in in 10 years and 20 years and you know, we, we would like to have our kids, if we're lucky enough to have them, you know, participate in these events, but are we doing the right things right now to ensure that yeah. happens? And in a lot of ways, yeah, heck yeah, we are. Um, but in some other ways we're not. And right. you, you bring up a good point of let's not get lost in the money. Let's not get lost in the success that, you know, showing livestock can bring because 
it was funny. I was having a conversation um, with uh, an NSR uh, rep and we were talking like, man, what, what would it look like if the exposition did not have a junior show? What would that <laughs> show look like? And quite frankly, that, that open show doesn't exist without the junior show. Um, yeah. it, it doesn't function. There's not enough bores or, or guilts that show up from exhibitors because, you know, there's a generation and, and I would say that we're included in that of, of folks that, you know, they see the success of these bigger operations um, mm-hmm. and they want that and they want to chase it. And what matters at that point is how good your livestock and where can you get them placed in the good homes? Yeah. And, and I, I would also say too, Corey is not, not only thinking about just one show specifically, but the amount of scholarships and youth backing that goes into a livestock show now, mm-hmm. it, it's all increasing. So just as many, mm-hmm. just as many things that we'd like to change. I mean, you think about the scholarships that come out of like the big sh- Texas majors, incredible, no- crazy, incredible really? numbers that people are, kids are going to school because they showed livestock. Yeah. And, yeah. Where, and, and where, where else in another industry besides sports and, and, and some points in education, do you have the diverse opportunity that showing livestock brings? Right. I mean, yeah. but I also, if anybody listening from a show committee in the Midwest would like to figure out how to, to operate uh, a show or two like the Texas majors, that offer these huge scholarships to kids, let us know. We'd like to be a part of it. Yes. Because yeah. we're, we're missing out on what they get to do. Right. Well, you know, there's, if, if, if there's something else that I can add, just, I, I know we're, we're pushing time. I, I get it. No, you're good. Um, you know, the other thing that I think about a lot, and this, this is coming from someone, um, who I, I try really, really hard to not let my worth and my value be completely tied to um, what I'll call, you know, worldly success, right? So whether that's winning a show, whether that's selling a board for a lot of money, whether that's what, whatever, I, I really want us, this is my challenge as a parent um, that I, I want other parents to think about too is, you know, are, are you truly instilling values? I know we, we talk all the time, like almost at nauseum in, in the livestock world about instilling all these values of blah, 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 right? Okay, that's, which is all good. However, I, I, I think one of the things we need to think about more is, are we only instilling values in the young people that are focused 100% on how they do in the show ring? Or are we instilling values that are, more focused around what they're doing to get into the show ring. Mm. So I don't want, I don't, I don't want my son to be only happy, right. Or only pleased with himself is if, if he wins a show. Now, am I an incredibly competitive person? Yes. And I want to win every freaking show that I go to. There's no, everybody does. No one wants to lose, but at the same time, I, I think that we can really get ourselves into the ditch as well winner says if we are only focusing on winning and winning at all costs yep again don't 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 let that be lost with don't don't miss here and saying say that i don't like to, i mean i want to win okay 
but I, I just, I do not want my son's worth and his value to be associated with how he wins or how much he wins. You know, I, I remember being a young person going to the North American, literally pulling a trailer there by myself at, you know, 16, 17 years old, not knowing hardly anybody there and getting, I mean, my butt kicked. I mean, we're talking like probably getting gated with two or three pigs that I took on my own and not probably talking to anybody because I didn't know anybody and feeling like, honestly, feeling like crap when I left. And because I didn't, now, was part of that on me? I could have interacted with people, absolutely. But just know that, you know, there's somebody, a young person, whether it's your kid or other kids that are paying attention to you. And, you know, we, we all have a platform, you know, we're all, you know, the three of us on this phone call could be considered some kind of influencer on anybody listening to this can be considered some kind of influencer on someone and you know, just have a positive influence on, on the people that, that, that are around you. Cause it, it really, that's, that's the most important thing to me from, from this whole project is not only creating people that, you know, that, that want to win and, and are competitive and the life is a scoreboard and all that kind of stuff, whatever. But to me, making sure we understand where our true worth and value is and not necessarily just in how we do in the show ring. Oh, love it. Lots of good stuff. Nathan, man, thanks for uh, opening up your brain and uh, your thoughts to us, even your uh, marketing skills. Um, really enjoyed it. I appreciate you taking a lot of time out of your afternoon. So um, thanks again, and uh, we really enjoy uh, what you're doing in the industry as far as uh, as what we can see. Thank you guys. I, again, I appreciate the opportunity and, um, thank you for, you know, the, for having me on and, and supporting the, the Riley thing this summer that, that meant a lot to, to our family and to anybody listening that donated or prayed for us. I appreciate that too. Well, like you said, it's certainly a community. And, uh, if you want to be a part of this community, it just doesn't take a whole lot. So, um, we're, we're excited that we were able to do some of those things and hopefully we influenced some other folks to, to uh, donate to the cause as well. But yeah, folks, uh, this has been an incredible, uh, interview. I, Trevor, I don't know how we do it week to week. <laughs> it's it, these things fall in our lap sometimes, like literally this week fell in our lap. We were behind scheduling somebody and it just so happened that we thought of Nathan day and couldn't have asked for a better guest for this week. So, uh, if you have not, liked or followed all of our social media or added us on snapchat yet please go do so uh stock talk podcast uh send us some emails visit our website get your merch trevor we got some so we're continually getting more uh warm weather cold weather gear i should say to keep you warm yes yes um catch us in denver here next month Um, yes the matt lautner stalls yes uh so thanks for listening guys Yes, you guys are awesome, and uh, yeah, get on Snapchat, because we're in the middle of dedicated December, so you'll get a few funny Snapchats of us dying on the treadmill. (laughs) So, with that being said, you guys are awesome, we love you all. This has been another edition of Stock Talk. Stock Talk.